Hello, and welcome to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast, where we discuss what it means to praise God even when it's difficult. My name is Tori. And my name is Mary. And we are your hosts. Come chat about faith and life with your new sisters in Christ and enjoy learning and growing alongside us. We are so glad you're here. Hello, welcome back to Sacrifice of Praise podcast. Today, we are talking all about Marian apparitions. This was another request that we had been given, and we were so excited about this one because both of us have a strong devotion to Mary, and we wanted to learn more. This is definitely a learning experience for both of us. Um, We obviously are not experts at all on this topic, and so we had to do some major research, but we are diving into what Marian apparitions are, the guidelines of what qualifies for an apparition, and then we're going to each share a couple of our um, favorite apparitions. So it's going to be a fun episode. We're really excited, Um, but we're going to start with our current favorites. So Tori, you can go first. Okay. So this is a really recent current favorite. I usually always have kind of a sweet tooth at the end of the night after dinner. (laughs) And we've talked about this in previous episodes that we are love for Thelma's ice cream sandwiches. Mm -hmm. But the other day I was at Target and they don't sell Thelma's. I think only like Hy-Vee as a grocery store does. But I found um, Target's like brand. I think it's Target brand is the favorite day and they've got lots of different um, products. But I was browsing their like ice cream section and the favorite day they have the, these, their own ice cream sandwich. The one that I got was their cookies and cream ice cream sandwich. And it was so good. I've only had one, but like it was a, it's a favorite now. I'm like going to have to buy them again. The only thing is they only come in with four in there, which mm-hmm. kind of doesn't seem like a lot, but it like, that's definitely not enough for Tim and I will be like, go through one, a box a week, but um, yeah. it's a perfect little treat at the end of the night. And I also picked up same um, brand, the favorite day they have like mini frozen edible cookie bites, like cookie dough bites. So good. Yeah. So you like can sprinkle that on top of your ice cream or just like, I just have been like taking a few at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so good. Yes. Yes. We're big fans of like edible cookie bites here too, because we actually have like a cookie dough, um, like shop. I don't know, like an ice cream shop. Oh, it's, yeah. It's called scoop and dough. So you can get cookie dough and you can get ice cream and you can do, you can combine them. So it's like, hmm. it's so Tori, I feel like you would love this place. Oh, I for <laughs> sure would love that. All the flavors <laughs> of cookie dough, all the flavors of ice uh, cream. And I'm pretty sure they actually, it's like blue bunny ice cream, which I have not like there's one flavor of blue bunny ice cream. Sorry. This is a total tangent. <laughs> I love but it. Bubblegum. Blue bunny ice cream bubble gum that you can get in like the like you know at a shop. Uh-huh. I have not had it since I was a kid. They used to have it at Lakeshore and Storm Lake. And I have not been able to find it even at Blue Bunny in Lamar's Iowa. I they never have it. And they have it here. And it's Blue Bunny. Oh, really? And so every time we go there, I'm like, I have to get this as like my childhood. <laughs> so it's at so the like good. cookie dough place. Yes. Yeah. They have, they have some homemade and some other brands, but they also have some blue bunny flavors too. So, and that's one of them, which is a shock. So that's, that sounds amazing. Also just a side note. I told Mary before we started recording, Fitz has been getting hard to put down and I feel like you can definitely hear him screaming right now. So if you do, I apologize. (laughs) I I truly cannot hear him. Okay. Okay. Well, good. So I know you, all the listeners will be understanding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. My current favorite, it's kind of random, but Walmart delivery. So I love target. I feel like I shop at target most of the time for just like, you know, the essentials, diapers, things like that. And I usually do target pickup because it's way easier for me to just like put bloom in the car. Then I don't have to take her inside and all of that stuff. And then we just do the drive up and they bring it to your car. But our target here in Fargo, it's great, but there's only one and it is, I've never been there when it's not busy. It is always so busy. Even the drive up takes like, I mean, it's like a half hour trip at least. So I started doing Walmart delivery and it's 
really nice because you can just like order something. And I'm sure Target does this too. And I just like Walmart for some reason for this, but you just order something and it's delivered right to your door the same day. And if you have, it's kind of like prime where I think you have to like sign up for, I don't really know what it's called on Walmart, but, um, and it's free delivery. I don't have that. So I do pay sometimes for the delivery. If I like need like, you know, diapers, or if I need a whole bunch of things, then it's nice. And I just like pay the, you know, $5 or whatever it is for the delivery. Um, but it's so nice and so convenient. And I'm like, I honestly, I need to just probably get Amazon prime, but you know, it's, I just am too cheap to do it. So yeah, no, yeah. I've been liking that though. Tim and I were literally just talking about this last night and he had mentioned that fairway is now doing, um, delivery. And I was like, this is just the way of the future. Mm -hmm. It is so nice and convenient. And I think this was like a product of COVID because most people weren't shopping in the store, but for like busy parents or new moms who just like, don't have time, or it's just a hassle to like bring your kids out to go grocery shopping. It is such a lifesaver. We have the Hy-Vee, um, we do Hy-Vee delivery and it's also, kind of like a membership, you pay like a flat fee. I think mm-hmm. it's at like $99 for the year and it's free, then free delivery for however many times. The yeah. only thing that I've noticed that has been kind of a bummer is almost every time there's like something's wrong or the produce isn't great. Yeah. And I feel like the, the shoppers sometimes will put like almost like kind of bad produce in there because they're trying to get rid of it from the store. And that has bothered me so much. Like one time I was planning on making, um, guacamole and I bought like a bag of avocados and literally every single one was Brown. I would never have bought this if I was in the store. So that's, I guess my, I'm also going on a tangent now, but that's (laughs) like the flip side of those delivery things. If you're getting groceries, like it's sometimes hit or miss, but That is, that is really, I totally agree. I think that is such a bummer because like most of the food that we buy is produce and meat and like some dairy, like we really don't buy like a lot of other stuff. And so I feel like I just would have such a hard time, like letting someone else pick my produce. Cause I am so picky, like so about my (laughs) produce. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you like it then Mary, cause it's almost every time I usually don't do produce if I know that I can make it to the store and like do a quick run. But when I'm done, I just kind of gamble and (laughs) see what happens. So, (laughs) all right. Well, should we dive into this episode? Like you said, we've got so many like awesome Marian apparitions to dive into. Um, Mary's going to touch on a couple. I will touch on a few and I learned a lot. I think Mary, you said you've learned a lot through this process. Um, But before we break down each of the apparitions that we chose, I thought maybe we could clarify what even is a Marian apparition for those that might be unfamiliar. So Ascension Presents or Ascension Press has a really helpful article um, and it's basically a guide to all things Marian apparitions. And they do a really nice job of like describing what it is and then breaking down all the different ones that have been approved. And they describe a Marian apparition as appearances of the Blessed Virgin Mary coming down from heaven to earth. And appearances usually um, occur when Our Lady wants to communicate a message And depending on the nature of the visit, it can be anywhere from like one short appearance to several different over the course of years. And there's usually, or there is always at least one witness to an apparition. And this is actually something I did not know prior to doing some research on this. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And for an apparition to be worthy of belief within the Catholic church, it must be approved by the bishop of the area where the apparition took place. And there have been several different apparitions or rep- reports of apparitions throughout the years. But as of today, I believe there's only 26 that have been approved as authentic. And so obviously the church takes this very seriously and they're very careful when it comes to approving and recognizing Marian apparitions. Um, the Vatican released a, a whole set of guidelines to the public on approving apparitions and other revelations. 
and the apparitions um, that we will be discussing today, I think all but maybe one are approved, or all of them are approved apparitions. One um, hasn't quite got to the Vatican, but the bishop has approved it. So I'll touch on that later. Yeah. So I kind of actually outlined like the high level um, like guidelines, because I thought that that would be helpful for people to know how, um, how it all works and not how strict it is, but just how like, how seriously they take it. Um, so I, this is also from Ascension Press. This is from that exact same article, which is kind of funny. So like, we didn't do this research together, but we both happened to use the same sources. So, um, okay. So there's three main guidelines. So first they start by questioning whether the apparition and the revelations given during the appearance is positive or negative. So what that means is like positive apparitions follow criteria criteria such as holding great probability of factual content after thorough investigation, showing honesty of moral values, docility to church authority, and capacity of returning to a normal regimen of the faith. And then on the contrary, negative apparitions show the following errors concerning the nature of the apparition, errors concerning God, Mary, the saints, or the church's teaching, evidence of the apparition being directly aimed towards gaining some type of profit, and the presence of grave immoral acts that were committed at the time of the apparition. So basically, like, that's, that's like step one. They kind of see like, okay, you know, do we need to go any further? Were there like errors? Is this, you know, that's kind of how they rule out a lot of them. Um, okay. So secondly, if the apparition proves to be positive, a positive nature, then the church will go forward in allowing some type of public devotion to be celebrated. So like Tori said, like it may be approved in that, um, that Bishop's diocese, but it may not go much further than that. It just kind of, it, it just kind of depends, but the church will honor it still. Um, and then third, the authorities at hand decide what level of authenticity and supernatural character the apparition displays, keeping in mind the possible offspring of ideas that could come from it. Um, so like Tori said, the, the approval first falls on the bishop of the diocese. And then if they are having a hard time discerning like how authentic this is, then it can be passed up through church authority. And eventually like the Vatican can call for investigation to be had and, you know, go from there. So having the Vatican recognize the existence of an apparition is a bonus. Um, It's not a necessity. So that's kind of how that all works. So those are kind of the, the guidelines. I feel like I obviously did not know all of this. And so it was helpful for me to understand this. Um, I've been really into like learning more about Mary's appearances lately. And I think ever since my car accident, really, because of the whole, like our lady of Guadalupe thing. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really, it's really just so fascinating. So we're going to kind of dive into like I don't know, a couple different stories. Like Tori said, I have two that I'm going to talk a little bit on. And I think Tori has a couple as well. So we'll just kind of bounce back and forth on this. Okay. So Tori, I will have you go ahead and share your first one. Okay. Yeah. So I thought I'd kick us off with one that I'm sure most of the listeners who are Catholic have heard of this apparition because it's probably the most well-known one out there. Um, It is Our Lady of Fatima. And there has been many, many books and articles that have been written about Our Lady of Fatima. And I believe there's been movies. And so I'm sure you've either heard of Our Lady of Fatima or know some bit about her story or the story of Our Lady of Fatima. And so I found a bulk of this information from Catholic News Agency, and they kind of outline the details of the apparition. So I'll share what I read on that site. Um, So on May 13th, 1917, Our Lady appeared to three children in a small village of Fatima in Portugal. She appeared six times to Lucia, who was nine, and her cousins Francisco, eight, and her sister Jacinta, six, between May 13th, 1917 and October 13th, 1917. 
On the 13th day of May, an apparition of a woman in all white, more brilliant than the sun, presented herself to the three children, saying, please do not be afraid of me. I'm not going to harm you. And Lucia asked her where she came from, and her response was, I come from heaven. And it says that the woman wore a white mantle edged with gold and held a rosary in her hand. The woman asked the children to pray and devote themselves to the Holy Trinity and to say the rosary every day to bring peace to the world and to end the war. And so Our Lady also revealed to the children that they would suffer greatly, um, especially from the unbelief of their friends and families, and that the two two younger children, um, Francisco and Jacinta, would take and take to heaven very soon, so they would be passing away soon. Um, but that Lucia would live longer in order to spread her message, her message and devotion to the Immaculate Heart. So I can't even imagine like these three yeah. little kids, and they're little, like eight and nine and six, I think it was. I mean, that's just like, I can't imagine how scary that moment would have been. Um, and obviously like our mother is comforting them saying like, do not be afraid is like the first thing she says to them. But I just can't imagine how like frightening that could have been to witness this. Um, and then no, in the, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like, it's also so beautiful to think about that she could have chosen anyone. And I think about this all the time with, with all of the apparitions, like why she chose who she chose. And I just, it's so, this story in particular is so beautiful because like she chose the most innocent little children, you know, like, it's just so incredible that she chose just like such, you know, wholesome little being for sure. I think it's a great reminder too that literally anyone could be a saint, like even children mm-hmm. and right. yeah. yeah, and how important like specifically they were chosen right um, for a reason. And obviously they received a lot of doubt as they were telling their parents and like the community. And um I just yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I've I've watched a movie on Our Lady of Fatima and they did a really good job of kind of like showing how that, that conversation would have gone with like Lucia and her mom Mm -hmm. and her battling the, like her mom is telling her, you know, is scared for her and isn't quite, doesn't quite understand, but Lucia knows the truth and she doesn't lie. And (laughs) so I just like felt for her. And it says that in the last uh, appearance, our lady revealed to the three children, um, the, her name or who she is. And she said, she is, I am the lady of the rosary. And then that same day, um, 70,000 people turned out to witness the apparition. It, and that was because, um, Mary promised that she would show the people the apparitions were true. And so 70,000 people come and they witness the sun making three circles and moving around the sky in just like an incredible zigzag movement, which just left no doubt in anyone's mind about the authenticity of the apparitions. And then by 1930, the bishop had approved the apparitions and um, they've also been approved by the Vatican as authentic. And I think just like taking a step back now and, and learning about this apparition, hearing about it, reading about it, like the biggest takeaway for me is that Our Lady of Fatima stresses the importance so much of prayer and the power of praying the rosary and specifically with the intention of for peace and the conversion of sinners. And that is a theme that I have picked up as I'm reading about all these apparitions of like how important prayer and praying the rosary is and how powerful it is. And it definitely like put me in check. Like, what am I doing? You know, and it's such a simple thing to do, but a great reminder of the power of prayer and praying the rosary. And then another just takeaway is the unwavering strength and courage that these children had, especially Lucia. Like 
I think she was the only one that could maybe see and hear her, or maybe her and her sister also could, could hear, but the little boy could, could see, but couldn't hear our lady of Fatima. Um, but yeah, I just, again, like the courage that they had to like stand true to, to standing up for what they saw and just being a witness to mother Mary's message that she shared with them. Um, and then lastly, I didn't touch really on this, but this is a big part of her message and, um, what she revealed to the kids, but our lady of Fatima really emphasizes the reality of heaven and hell and how real they are. And it just kind of made me think that so many people, I think, take heaven for granted or even take hell, like don't quite fully understand or grasp what hell is. Um, and our lady promised the children of Fatima that they would end up going to heaven when they died. But she also showed them a vision of what hell looked like that obviously terrified them. And like I said, I just feel like when people think of hell, they might think like only the worst of the worst go to hell and then everyone else goes to heaven. Whereas like, that's so not the case. Like so very few end up going to heaven. Um, and just like the importance of, of prayer and the reason our lady showed the children the fiery vision of hell and tormented souls was to encourage them and all of us to just continually pray for the souls of others and our souls um, and save them from the fires of hell. And she told the children that many, many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray or make sacrifices for them. So our lady specifically asked that we say the following prayer after each decade of the rosary, which is, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most need of thy mercy. And it's such a simple and beautiful prayer, but it can help save souls. And this prayer, actually, I, I've grown up knowing this prayer because every time my family would pray the rosary, we would always say this. And I've noticed not a lot of people know this prayer. Um, which I find is interesting, um, how some people know it, some people don't know it, but if you can learn it and remember to pray it after every decade, it can be a really powerful thing. Yeah. Wow. Lately, I've been trying to remember this specifically, like praying for the souls of people who have departed or also souls of people that I know now, like in my life, just for their souls in the future, because, Um, and especially when I'm suffering, because I think it was, I, I am not hundred percent sure, but I think it was Fulton Sheen who said like, he passed a, um, hospital and he said, in a place like that, there is so much suffering that is wasted. And I just always think about that and like how much your suffering can be used for good for those souls. And so every time I like right now, I have the worst back pain ever, And I am complaining about it all the time. And every time I complain about it, I just have to like say a prayer for a soul in purgatory or a soul in hell because it helps me, (laughs) you know, it helps me and it helps them. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that is a beautiful reminder. And also something that brought up to me was the verse um, I looked, I had to look it up from, it's from Mark 10, 24 through 25. It's Um, says, children, how hard it it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter enter the kingdom of heaven. And I always think about that. I always think about that it is harder to get into heaven than passing a camel through the eye of a needle. Like I always remind myself how narrow the road is to heaven. And, um, yeah, we just, we can't take it for granted. And I think that that's such a beautiful reminder and a beautiful message from Mary. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my first one that I'm going to talk about is Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, she's, uh, this is another like very common, very 
very well-known apparition. And I wanted to start with Our Lady of Lords because ever since we had Molly Myers on the podcast, I have had a huge interest and started kind of like having more of a devotion to Our Lady of Lords. I say a prayer to, I ask for her intercession every single day. Um, and I've really just tried to get to know her more and the story more. So I'm going to kind of read a little bit about it, just a little summary. Um, I gathered this from the Marian Library of the University of Dayton. And like I said, this story is well known. So between February 11th and July 16th of 1858, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared 18 times to 14-year-old Bernadette in that small town, Lourdes, located in the foothills of the Pyrenees Mountains of Southern France. Bernadette was born on January 7th. She was the, uh, sorry, 1844, and she was the eldest of six children. She was a delicate girl who suffered from asthma and cholera. She could neither read nor write and spoke only the Occitan dialect of her area. And her family was sinking into poverty. And the day that the first apparition took place, she went to gather firewood along the bank of the river gave to help her mother. So Bernadette's attention was drawn to, she heard kind of like some rustling in bushes near the grotto that she was near while she was gathering the firewood. And she turned towards it and she saw a beautiful young girl of 16 or 17. And she described this girl as dressed in a white robe, girded at the waist with a blue ribbon, she wore upon her head a white veil, which gave just a glimpse of hair. Her feet were bare, but covered by the last folds of her robe, and a yellow rose was upon each of them. She held on her right arm a rosary of white beads with a chain of gold shining like the two roses at her feet. Bernadette knelt and began to pray the rosary, and at the end of the five decades, the woman smiled and disappeared. The young visionary returned, and on February 18th, Our Lady began her message, telling young Bernadette, I do not promise to make you happy in this life, but in the next. On February 24th, Mary asked for penance and prayer for the conversion of sinners, and the following day, she instructed Bernadette to dig the ground near the grotto, and from that, a spring came forth, which to this day is used for the bath by pilgrims to Lourdes as We've talked about on our podcast before. Okay, so at the apparition of March 2nd, Bernadette was instructed by Our Lady to tell the priest that people should come here in procession and that a chapel should be built on the site. And on the Feast of the Annunciation, March 25th, the Blessed Virgin told Bernadette in the dialect of Lourdes, I am the Immaculate Conception. This dogma had been defined by Pope Pius IX just a few years earlier, on December 8, 1854. The Basilica of Lourdes was consecrated in 1876, and the faithful, countless in number, flock in pious pilgrimage to the Holy Grotto. It's there that their faith and devotion are aroused, and they recommit themselves to conform their lives to the Christian message. There as well, miraculous favors are granted, and healings, both physical and spiritual, have taken place. Great emphasis is placed on devotion to the Eucharist, and just as at the wedding feast at Cana, Mary always points to her son. Um, so the liturgical feast of Our Lady of Lourdes is February 11th. Bernadette um, went on to enter the sisterhood, and she was given the name of Sister Mary Bernarda. She worked there as a sacristan and avoided publicity as best she could. She referred to herself as a broom which Our Lady used, but now I have been put back in my corner. And she died on April 16th, 1879 at the young age of 35. And she was beatified in 1925 by Pope Pius XI and canonized by him on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. She appears in the church records as St. Mary Bernarda, but in the hearts of the faithful, she is affectionately remembered as St. Bernadette. So that's a little, the little backstory of Our Lady of Lourdes. It's just so incredibly beautiful. I actually remember learning about this in school, like when we were in like third or fourth grade. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this little girl, you know, this yeah. Mary appeared to this little girl and she 
similarly to, I feel like there's so many similarities actually to Our Lady of Fatima, just like, like you said, she talked a lot about like saving the souls of sinners. Um, she talked about how this life would not be easy for her, but the next would like all, you know, there's so many similarities. Um, and also the fact that she's holding a rosary, she's dressed very similarly. Um, I just think it's, it's pretty beautiful. So. And also the emphasis too, and it brings back to our lady of Fatima is like, not promising happiness in this life, but in the next. And I think that it's just such a good reminder to remember our purpose here and that we should not be living for this world, but for the world to come. And like, I just, even like the greatest saints suffered greatly and many of them didn't necessarily have glamorous or good lives on this you know, this side, but are spending eternity in paradise with God. And I think that's just a great reminder that even when we go through suffering, even when we question why, you know, why God's putting us through certain trials, that the greater good is after this life, you know, Mm -hmm. and we might never have the answers in this lifetime, but awesome. Well, okay. So I will move on to, I will touch on the next Marian apparition. And this one is Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. So you might be familiar with the Miraculous Medal. It's a very popular medal and image among Catholics and even non-Catholics might be familiar with this medal. Um, This Marian apparition is the story of how that medal came to be. And so I pulled this also from Ascension Press, and they share details of the apparition that I'll just kind of summarize here. So Our Lady appeared to St. Catherine of Labouret twice in the year 1830. So St. Catherine was a nun at the convent of the Sisters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul in France. And the first time Catherine was woken up by, quote, like a shining child very bright, shining child at her bed. And the child told her that our lady was waiting for her in the chapel. And so Catherine went to the chapel and observed at first that it was just empty. But then after hearing what she said, she thought was just like rustling of silk. Our mother Mary appeared and Catherine rushed to her side. And it says that the two talked for hours. So I would love to be a fly on the wall to listen to that conversation. And Mary revealed to her that many troubling times were ahead for France and that the Lord wants to bestow a great task onto her. So then Mary appeared to Catherine several, several months later in an image of splendor. On one side, she saw the Blessed Mother standing atop a globe, her hands emanating beams of light. On this other side was a cross with an M and two hearts, one with a crown of thorns and the other with a sword through it. Catherine heard Mary tell her to fashion after the image a medal, which would provide protection and fill the grace for those who wore it. She urged Catherine to keep the apparitions a secret to all except her confessor and commissioned her to have the medal made. Um, Now it's known as the miraculous medal. And Catherine, so she only told her confessor uh, about the apparition and he had that image made into a medal in 1832. And that year, 1500 copies of it were produced. And today now millions um, of faithful wear the medal. Um, And it just continues to be produced, which is pretty incredible. And official investigations into her visions determined them to be authentic but Catherine insisted on remaining anonymous during her lifetime and continued to live in selfless service, caring for elderly and managing the convent. And so the reason I chose this one was um, my mom, I, I've always loved that, the Miraculous Medal, and my mom gifted me a bracelet with the Miraculous Medal on it, and I wear it every single day. And I just kind of like to think that it's like a reminder that Mother Mary is always with me 
And I like to think that she's blessing me with peace and giving me grace throughout the day, especially when I feel overwhelmed or just, you know, being a mom and it's hard and I just need Mary's guidance. I'll look to, to the metal on my wrist and just feel some, a sense of peace. So. Yeah. I also wear a miraculous metal necklace every day, although I'm not wearing it right now at this moment, but I usually wear it every day. And, um, I also feel like when I'm wearing it, I just similarly like feel like I just remind myself often of the graces that come from it. Like you're just, she's, I feel like she's just right there, like close to my heart. And I actually saw something on Instagram and I tried to look it up right now really quickly and I couldn't figure out who said it, but there's a saint who, um, had talked a little bit about the miraculous metal and how, um, like how important it is to, if you're wearing it, to ask for the graces, um, not just assume them. And of course, like she said, you know, that if you're wearing this medal that you will receive these graces, but he, I don't know the way that he said it was something like just, you know, similarly to like prayer, prayer being like, ask and you shall receive kind of thing. Um, and so I've just been reminding myself ever since I saw that, like every day, just asking for the graces that are, that she can give me through this representation of her. And so, I don't know. I just, I kind of remind myself of that, but I love wearing that medal. I have a gold one. I feel like it looks, you know, it's cute with everything and I feel very proud to wear it. And yeah. yeah. Okay. My final one is Our Lady of Guadalupe. So for this one, I kind of wanted to, (laughs) okay, bear with me here. I wanted to, I'm going to do a little summary of it, but then I'm also going to read the whole dialect between them because I just think it's so important and it's so beautiful and it's not super long. Um, And I tried to like summarize it, but I just don't think it does it justice without just reading the whole thing. And this was obviously in Spanish, I believe. Um, And so, yes, it was in Spanish, but this version is, was translated. So there's a few things that are a little bit off. Um, You're like, you'll kind of tell, but for the most part, it's as accurate as possible. Okay. So I'll start off with just the, the overview. Many of you probably maybe know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, but definitely one of the most well-known apparitions. Um, So it occurred in the 16th century to a widower and now saint, St. Juan Diego. She instructed him to get the bishop to build a church upon the mountain where she met him. And to do this, she instructed Juan Diego to go pick a batch of flowers that were nearby, carry them in his tilma, which was kind of like his jacket, a type of like outer garment or cloak, and deliver them to the bishop. And when Juan Diego got to the bishop and revealed the flowers, the bishop knew it was a miracle because not only had he delivered the flowers that were out of season, but his cloak was imprinted with an image of what we now know today as Our Lady of Guadalupe. So the bishop agreed to build a church in honor of the apparition, and it has become a very popular place of pilgrimage for people across the world. So I'm going to go ahead and read to you their conversation. So and the Blessed Virgin said, Juanito, the most humble of my sons, where are you going? Juan Diego said, my lady and child, I have to reach your church in Mexico to pursue things divine taught and given to us by our priests, delegates of our Lord. The Virgin said, know and understand well, you the most humble of my son, that I am the ever virgin, holy Mary, mother of the true God for whom we live, of the creator of all things, Lord of heaven and the earth. I wish that a temple be erected here quickly So I may therein exhibit and give all my love, compassion, help, and protection because I am your merciful mother to you and to all of the inhabitants of this land and all the rest who love me, invoke and confide in me. Listen there to their lamentations and remedy all their miseries, afflictions, and sorrows. And to accomplish what my clemency pretends, go to the palace of the Bishop of Mexico And you will say to him that I manifest my great desire that here on this place, a temple be built to me. You will accurately relate all you have seen and admired and what you have heard. Be assured that I will be most grateful and will reward you because I will make you happy and worthy of recompense for the effort and fatigue 
in what you will obtain of what I have entrusted. Behold, you have heard my mandate, my humble son. Go and put forth all your effort. And Juan Diego said, my lady, I am going to comply with your mandate. Now I must part from you, I, your humble servant. The next visit, Juan Diego starts and he says, lady, the least of my daughters, my child, I went where you sent me to comply with your command. With difficulty, I entered the prelate's study. I saw him and exposed your message just as you instructed me. He received me benevolently and listened attentively. And when he replied, it appeared that he did not believe me. He said, you will return. I will hear you at my pleasure. I will review from the beginning the wish and desire which you have brought. I perfectly understood by the manner he replied that he believes it to be an invention of mine, that you wish that a temple be built here to you, and that it is not your order for which I exceedingly beg, lady and my child, that you entrust the delivery of your message to someone of importance, well-known, respected, and esteemed, so that they may believe in him, because I am nobody. I am a small rope, a tiny ladder, the tail end, a leaf, and you, my child, the least of my children, my lady, you send me to a place where I never visit nor repose. Please excuse the great unpleasantness and let not fretfulness befall my lady and my all. And the Blessed Virgin responds and says, Hark, my son, the least. You must understand that I have many servants and messengers to whom I must entrust the delivery of my message and carry my wish. But it is of precise detail that you yourself solicit and assist that through your mediation, my wish be complied. I earnestly implore my son, the least, and with sternness, I command that you go again tomorrow and see the bishop. You go in my name and make known my wish in its entirety that he has to start the erection of a temple, which I ask of him. And again, tell him that I, in person, the ever virgin, holy Mary, mother of God, sent you. And Juan Diego said, Lady, my child, let me not cause you affliction. Gladly and willingly, I will go to comply your mandate. Under no condition will I fail to do it, for not even the way of distressing. I will go to do your wish, but perhaps I will not be heard with liking, or if I am heard, I might not be believed. Tomorrow afternoon at sunset, I will come to bring you the result of your message with the prelate's reply. I now take leave, my child, the least, my child and lady. Rest in the meantime. This is the next day. The Blessed Virgin Mary says, well and good, my little dear, you will return here tomorrow. So you may take to the bishop the sign he has requested. With this, he will believe you. And in the regard, he will not doubt you, nor will he be suspicious of you. And know, my little dear, that I will reward your solicitude and effort and fatigue spent on my behalf. Lo, go now. I will await you here tomorrow. Okay, so then this is actually Tuesday. So this is a couple days later. The Blessed Virgin Mary appears and says, and this is probably the most, sorry to interrupt, but this is the most well-known part of the apparition and is a prayer that a lot of people say. And I actually have a prayer card with this on it. And I say it a lot. And that is what the Blessed Virgin Mary says to Juan Diego in this portion. Um, okay, so she appears and she says, what's there, my son, Luis, where are you going? Juan Diego says, my child, the most tender of my daughters, lady, God grant you are content. How are you this morning? Is your health good, lady and my child? I am going to cause you grief. Know, my child, that a servant of yours is very sick, my uncle. He has contracted the plague and is near death. I am hurrying to your house in Mexico to call one of your priests, beloved by our Lord, to hear his confession and absolve him, because since we were born... He came to guard the work of our death. But if I go, I shall return here soon, so I may go deliver your message. Lady and my child, forgive me. Be patient with me for the time being. I will not deceive you, the least of my daughters. Tomorrow I will come in all haste. And this is what the Blessed Virgin Mary responds. She said, Hear me and understand well, my son the least, that nothing should frighten or grieve you. Let not your heart be disturbed. Do not fear that sickness, nor any other sickness or anguish. Am I not here, who is your mother? Are you not under my protection? Am I not your health? Are you not happily within my fold? What else do you wish? 
Do not grieve nor be disturbed by anything. Do not be afflicted by the illness of your uncle, who will not die now of it. Be assured that he is now cured. Climb, my son, Louise, to the top of the hill. There where you saw me, and I gave you orders, you will find different flowers. Cut them, gather them, assemble them, and then come and bring them before my presence. My son, Louise, this diversity of roses is the proof and the sign which you will take to the bishop. You will tell him in my name that he will see in them my wish and that he will have to comply with it. You are my ambassador, most worthy of all confidence. Rigorously, I command you that only before the presence of the bishop will you unfold your mantle and disclose what you are carrying. You will relate all and well. You will tell that I ordered you to climb to the hilltop to go and cut flowers and all that you saw and admired so you can induce the prelate to give his support with the aim that a temple be built and erected as I have asked. That's the whole deal. Um, it's pretty incredible. I know, sorry, that was kind of long, but I just feel like it's all really important. Um, and it's just so beautiful. So that last part, um, when he's really, he's like being kind of slow getting to the bishop because his uncle is dying and he tells her and she's like, just please don't worry about it. Like you have nothing to worry about. I'm your mother and I'm taking care of you. And, um, I just think that that's such a beautiful prayer and reminder in our suffering. Like we have Mary as our mother and she's just so loving and perfect. And there's nothing more that we can ask for. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I love our lady of Guadalupe. I love this story. I love that she chose again, someone so humble. And I mean, even he was like, I am not the guy for this job. Like, please choose someone else. I am. And she was like, no, I insist. And it requires lots of different people to get my message across. And I'm choosing you. And I just, yeah, I just think it's all so beautiful. So that's why I chose this one. It's also fascinating, like the Tilma, all the the story, like we could probably have an episode in itself of the Tilma and all the crazy things mm-hmm. about it. Um, just the mm-hmm. miraculous things that have come from the Tilma, like as people have inspected it and um, mm-hmm. looked further into it. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. So we might have to do an episode around that because I think it's pretty remarkable. Like, yeah. yeah. I know. And like his biggest doubt or his biggest like concern, because he are, you know, he went once, they didn't believe him he went back to her and he's like, they are not going to believe me. And I feel like she like so easily answered that by being like, you know what? I will show up in your robe. You know, like, it's just so crazy how, I don't know. It's just so crazy how it all happened. It's just beautiful. So yeah. Okay. I've just got one last um, Marian apparition that I wanted to share and it will be short. So, um, this one was a, I talked to my, my dad is just like the best and he is an avid listener of the podcast. So I know he's listening to this, but I told him that we were recording in a, an episode all about Marian apparitions and wanted to hear which one he thought we should discuss. And I had told him that we're going to do Fatima and Lord and Lords and our lady of Guadalupe. And so he just threw out our lady of Akita and I had never heard of our lady of Akita before or the, the story of our lady of Akita. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to dive in and I'm going to learn about it. So this Marian apparition is one that has yet to be recognized by the Vatican, but it has been approved uh, for the devotion of the Catholic church and by the bishops. So the, the apparitions of our lady of Akita is particularly interesting because unlike any other apparitions, Sister Agnes heard the Blessed Virgin's messages through a wooden statue and not a traditional appearance. So mm-hmm. all of this, um, all of the extra nor- extraordinary events took place on June 12th, 1973. So relatively, it was, I mean, that hasn't, isn't, hasn't oh. been that long ago yeah. since this happened, but this um, sister Agnes uh, saw brilliant, mysterious rays radi- radiating um, suddenly from the tabernacle. And then the same thing happened on each of the two days that followed. And on June 28th, 1973, 
a cross-shaped wound appeared on the inside left hand of Sister Agnes, and it it bled profusely and was very painful. And then on July 6th, 6th, Sister Agnes heard a voice coming from the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the chapel where she was praying. And on that same day, a few of the sisters noticed drops of blood flowing from the statue's right hand. And then this happened on four other occasions. The wound remained on the statue's hand until September 29th and then disappeared. On that same day, the wound that the wound on the statue disappeared. The sisters noticed that the statue had begun to sweat, especially on the forehead and neck. And similarly to the story of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, Sister Agnes was led to the statue by what she believed to be her guardian angel. And on the three different occasions, the statue spoke to her about praying for the reparation of sins, following her superiors, warning of great reprimand and the second coming. And along with these messages, countless miracles have been attributed to Our Lady of Akita, such as the healing of Sister Agnes's hearing. I believe she was deaf prior to this. Um, The sisters finding the statue bleeding from her wound in her hand, and then the statue crying over 101 times over the course of eight years, which is pretty remarkable. That is all just like, especially all those last things that you said, all the miracles that came from it is just, that's beautiful. And I, I also have not heard about Our Lady of Akita. So that is a good new one for me to learn about. So Yes. And I will say with all of these apparitions that we've talked about, we kind of just like scratch the surface of it. And so we highly recommend you do your own research, learn about these different apparitions because they're really fascinating and just Mm -hmm. miraculous on how our lady appears to, um, these people and the messages that she gives them. So This has been such a great experience for me. I don't know how you feel, Mary, but I definitely didn't. I had heard of these apparitions, but never really like knew the full story. So I have even more research to do, but um, yeah, encourage you all who are listening to do your own research and to continue to pray for Mother Mary. And I think also just continue to pray the rosary and the power of praying the rosary. So to close, we are going to end in prayer. I thought we could just pray the memorare. Mm-hmm. And so I will lead us in that in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Remember oh most gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you do I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despite, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a friendly review. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Sacrifice of Praise Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, know that we are praying for you. Bye. Bye.